Now, it's Thursday Finance with Stephen Pritchard, Certified Accountant, Stockbroker and Financial Planner. Look out, look out. It is Thursday Finance. Stephen Pritchard and good morning. Good afternoon, Stephen. A big program today. You'll be tackling credit cards a bit later. About commodities and some currencies, then we'll have Henry along to talk about um, what's happened on the equity market this week, and then we're going to talk about uh, credit cards and uh, uh, and what we were saying a bit earlier: how to use them unwisely. Or how something. to use them unwisely? Uh, how to use them wisely? Wisely, that's the word. Stephen, as always, we kick off with uh, what's been happening in the currency and commodities. Um, not a lot, really. I mean, price of gold was up uh, $6.47 an ounce to $1,633. Um, and the price of copper was up $36.45 a tonne to 8301 And the crude oil price was down $0.08 cents a barrel to $97.85. Uh, the currencies, there's lots of red around the currencies. Um, the Australian dollar was down almost um, 2% to $72, uh, to 72.35 US cents. Uh, we're down 1% against the Great British Pound, 57p. And against the euro, we were at 63.79 euro cents. So it's more expensive for those people travelling overseas. There seems to be a huge amount of people overseas at the moment. From Australia? Yeah, yeah. all these people seem to be, I know. I mean, we're not on holidays yet, so no, that's we're not. We, we haven't got time to go around Europe for four <laughs> months. I think these European cruises must be so cheap or something. Everyone, everyone seems to be going on them. Oh, well, weather at the moment, I wouldn't mind heading over. Yeah, nice. 40, 30, 30 degrees, I'm yeah, told. Yeah, I'll, I'll take that. Thank yeah, you very much. Degrees. Um, the All Ordinaries Index was um, was up half a percent to 6,415, so you're pretty OK there. Um, the the S&P 500, um, it was down 1.2% to 2,818. And the UK FTSE was down 3% to 7,497. Stocks that local investors are interested in, um, BHP was down 26 cents to $33.70. CBA was down $1.38 to $73.99. And no doubt there'll be more revelations of the Royal Commission about CBA in the next... uh, week or so. The Banking Commission rolls on and on, doesn't it? It's still there. It's still happening. Is it running until September or something? I think so. Talk of an extension. Um, NIB uh, was up 12% this week to $6.46, so that's doing quite well. And, And Telstra was up um, two and a half percent to two dollars eighty nine, so so overall people have done reasonably okay this week. Um, the fuel price dollar forty six point six unleaded price in Newcastle was up two cents, and um, in Sydney it was up ten percent, which was fifteen cents to a dollar fifty two point six, and the diesel prices were basically the same as last week a dollar fifty two in Sydney, uh, Newcastle, a dollar forty nine in Sydney. So a fairly uh, bog standard sort of a week, Stephen. Not around big the- changes. The only big change really is the NRB per share price, which I know a lot of people around here well, in the region are. Because, yeah, because yeah. they've all got these free ship, so-called free shares they got in the demutualisation. And Henry Jennings is here. For, uh, he's uh, giving some of his tips as well. Good afternoon to you, Henry. Hi, guys. How are you? Oh, we're good, Henry. It's a bit warmer up here today than it has been. Oh, it's, it's a beautiful day out there again. Yeah, yeah I hear it's... it's Spring has sprung. I hear it's up around 20, 20s in Europe. Yeah, not not so good for um, the, the fires, though, unfortunately, that uh, the fireys are battling. But, uh, no, another beautiful day in, in Sydney town. Ah, excellent. So, uh, Bluescape. Bluescape's... Uh, doubles its profit uh, to 1.57 bills, so there's still money in steel making, obviously. Um, the, the, 
market uh, at the moment is uh, massively resilient, and of course we're in the middle of uh, uh, the massive profit uh, season and reportings that we're seeing. So, um, yeah, Bluescope came out the other day with some good results. The stock has fallen afterwards. I guess uh, people are uh, concerned about maybe this is as good as it gets, um, and it has had a, a fantastic run, um, but it's, um, it's starting to come off a little bit. I guess that's in line with a lot of uh, resource stocks at the moment. There's some, certainly some big macro issues hitting uh, resource stocks, and of course we've seen a bit of a slowdown in China as well. So that's not really helping the uh, the Blue Scope story, but it has done very, very well. And I guess there's um, there's also some wage negotiations going da- going on down in Port Kembla as well uh, for Blue Scope workers that have been uh, been sort of uh, frozen out of wage increases for a while, despite the company doing, as you say, you know, a, a great doubling of full year profits to uh, nearly 1.6 billion. So, um, so yeah, there's there's some some good corporate results coming out at the moment. That's for sure. Yeah, and JB Hi-Fi sales growth slowed because of the competition, but they still managed a, a profit increase. Yeah, well, JB Hi-Fi is one of the most shorted stocks in the market, of course, um, and people use it, I guess, as a proxy uh, for playing the Amazon story and also the uh, the housing uh, slowdown story as well. But it has bounced uh, dramatically after the results uh, from uh, $22 up to $26. So big, big price rise there, um, which has been good. The, um, the, the actual core JB Hi-Fi business is going along pretty well, I have to say, and the, and the big impact from Amazon we haven't really seen. The um, the good guys continues to be a little bit of a drag, and you do question uh, really why they uh, they bought that business, mm-hmm. but um, they seem to be getting their head around it, but I, I still think that's going to be a bit of a drag, and you would imagine that the stock price would have been higher uh, if they had not uh, diversified into that uh, big uh, big box sector with uh, washing machines and all that sort of stuff. But, uh, yeah, JB Hi-Fi game pretty well. Shows the, the power of the machine, I guess. Mm, and uh, a new company that I heard of the first time in the last couple of days, Shoes of Prey. Have you only just heard of this one, Stephen? Yes, Henry. Yes. Oh, hasn't your wife been on about this one? No. Uh, well, Henry, I, Henry, I'm, glad she, I'm glad she didn't invest in it, though. Henry, are you yeah. saying that you've heard a lot of Shoes of Prey before before this news? I have heard of Shoes of Prey, yes. Okay, there you go. Um, uh, mainly because uh, the uh, beleaguered uh, fund manager, Blue Sky, uh, which is a somewhat ironic name given their problems this year, um, has, uh, has a large holding in it. And oh, Shoes okay. of Prey have taken uh, a bit of a hit. They've written down their, uh, the valuation of the company from uh, sort of uh, to 13 cents now in the dollar um, as it tries to secure a funding lifeline. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's been very much tied up with this whole blue sky uh, problem that they've had with these alternative assets and the transparency of being able to value those assets. And Birds of Prey, uh, I'm not sure, Birds of Prey, Shoes of Prey, um, has been uh, one of their sort of higher profile investments and it hasn't done particularly well. So, um, so what do they uh, sell shoes on the internet or something, do they? Yeah, I think it's, uh, I think it's um, bespoke shoes. I think you can kind of design your own shoes. Henry, this uh, is not the place where you got that bargain on that six hundred. Don't you, you never let me forget that, do you? Say that. Well, you got uh, really good I'm deal. still wearing those shoes to this day, and they have not needed to be repaired. Yeah. They are beautiful shoes. Then again, the price and, tag and was six hundred dollars, and they'll actually be comfortable. <laughs> yeah, have you seen what the price of Aaron Williams' boots are now? 
I know, I know, it's frightening. I used to buy Iron Williams yeah, boots yeah. for about 220 bucks in yeah. Gowings, those are the days. Yeah. Um, of course, now they're about oh, two and a half times that price. They're right. extraordinarily five, expensive. 550 is the base one, are they? Yeah, I know, yeah. it's, it's crackers. Yeah. You know, they, were t- they used to be 220 for the, yeah, for yeah, the Black yeah, Craftsman, yeah. which I wore for many, many years until yeah. they fell apart on me. Yes. Uh, oh, well, anyhow, we'll worry about other praying things. Uh, so APA, yeah. APA has accepted the takeover offer from CK Infrastructure? Yeah, hardly a big surprise. Um, CK Infrastructure is a uh, Asian-based, um, I guess, uh, private equity, and uh, they're a big investor in Australia anyway, as it is, um, and they're bidding around 11 bucks in cash for the APA gas pipeline assets, um, and the board has now recommended that offer. Um, they've done their due diligence. Of course, the big issue is around whether they will get um, FERB approval to uh, to go ahead with the purchase. And given that uh, you know we have such a sensitive uh, energy sector at the moment in terms of security and, and all the all the politics surrounding the um, the NEG, um, there are certainly some concerns that that deal won't go through. The stock price is still trading below ten dollars, which is uh, you know ten percent below that bid price. So we're, we're awaiting to hear back from uh, FERB and uh, I guess the ACCC as well. But um, it's certainly a little bit more positive in that they've actually uh, gone um, to a proper bid rather than one of these unconditionals. Let's have a look under the hood kind of bids and uh, we'll let you know if we're that interested after due diligence. So a positive but still a ways to go in terms of that FIRB approval. And uh, Domino's misses its profit growth for the second executive, consecutive year. I mean, that's not a very good performance for the highest paid CEO in Australia, is it? No, but the stock price has rallied considerably, which is uh, somewhat uh, ironic. Um, the, uh, the, initially, the reaction was pretty savage, and the stock price was marked down, got back down to around $47, $48. It's back up to $55. It is, a, again, a very, very shorted stock in the market, uh, one of the biggest shorts apart from JB Hi-Fi. Um, and this is a company that's involved, I mean, they say they're involved in selling pizza. The, re- the reality is they're involved in selling franchises. Uh, for people to sell pizza. Um, Don uh, May has uh, did a particularly good job, I thought, on um, on business TV, um, spruiking the company, spruiking its wares and spruiking the turnaround, uh, blaming the hot weather in uh, France and Germany for the, the slight miss on their own guidance. Um, the market seems to have warmed again to this. And I guess, you know, you look at the, uh, the PE of Domino's, which was around 20 times, having fallen from, oh, heady heights, you know, 70 or 80 times at one stage. Now, the, the profits have uh, have gone up and the uh, the price has gone down, so that PE is certainly a little bit more normalised. I have to say that the growth outlook wasn't particularly wonderful, but the market seems to be um, really ignoring that um, and uh, warming to the whole um, Pizza Hut, oh, not Pizza Hut, Domino's Pizza story again, um, and that growth in uh, in Europe. So, um, surprising, really. I thought we'd, uh, we'd see Domino's down around sort of 45 bucks, but they're actually 55 bucks. So, there you go. All this time, Henry, I thought that that was all due to the fact that they've started to diversify with their menu. They've got, you know, sub-like sandwiches and milkshakes, ice creams. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, the, the pizzas are shrinking. Um, the, uh, the company was always, you know, when it was at heady heights of... 70 or 80 times PE, they always sold the company as a as a tech stock and all this wonderful technology they were they were using. There was also the company said they were looking at uh, further expansion or acquisitions. Um, I'm not sure how easy that's going to be, given that they are they're basically an Australian franchise business as a subsidiary of a US 
massive company, Domino's Pizza. So a lot of their uh, expansion in Europe has been with a JV with the UK because they don't actually own that that uh, territory. And they, they're still having problems in Japan. It seems the Japanese aren't as big a fan of, uh, of pizzas as, as we are uh, or, the, uh, or the Germans. So um, still got some issues, but certainly the charm offensive from, uh, from the Donster has, uh, has paid off as far as the share price goes and the shorts have been covering uh, in a big way. All right, we'll come back and continue with a little bit more of Thursday Finance with Henry Jennings and Stephen Pritchard. Thinking of downsizing? Looking for something new? Visit catalinavillage.com.au Lake Macquarie's most exciting new retirement village. Stage 1 villas selling fast. Visit today and rediscover yourself at Catalina Village. Our sponsor. Exclusive new season outdoor furniture plus 50 months interest free now at Domain. No deposit, no interest with 50 equal monthly payments until 2022. Outdoor lounges, modulars, umbrellas and 50 months interest free now. At Domain. Outdoor dining, balcony and bar settings, and no deposit, no interest until 2022. New season outdoor collection and 50 months interest free now at Domain. Approved applicants only minimum finance $750. Interest applies if you don't comply with terms and conditions. Fees exclusions apply. See store for details. Our sponsor. 2NURFM weather. On the waters this afternoon, some south-southwesterlies around about 25 knots. Seas getting up to 1.5 metres and a swell from the south around 1 metre. Uh, that is on uh, trending upwards as well by this afternoon or tonight. We have just hit a 1.6 metre high tide. Low tide coming up at 20 to 6 this afternoon and a partly cloudy Thursday afternoon today. We're expecting around 22, 23 degrees. Currently by the beach at Murrayweather, it is 18 degrees, 25 degrees at East Maitland. As we continue with Thursday Finance, Stephen Pritchard and Henry Jennings on the phone as well. Yeah, so CSL had a big profit increase of 29% to 1.7 billion US dollars. Yeah, CSL um, pushing up to $215 up a smidge today. Um, they are pushing up, um, continuing to push to all-time highs. Um, a good result. Um, everyone loves CSL. It's almost done Australian not to love CSL. It's been a fantastic success story. The only headwind that we're, I guess we saw in the, in the number um, was um, in the US they are expanding their collection centres, um, I think around 35 or 40 new collection centres because in, you know, a lot of their um, plasma collection does happen in the US when we say plasma collection that's basically um, um, taking blood from people and in the US they pay people for their blood and they then turn that into uh, super duper high tech uh, bio products um, etc which are good for flu vaccines and all that sort of stuff the, um, the issue I guess is that as the US economy improves and unemployment falls the, uh, the, the sort of the, the number of people going to collection centres to donate blood and get money in return uh, becomes a little bit less uh, as, uh, as, as you know, the economy improves so they have to keep attracting those people to their, um, their collection centres in order to, uh, to drive the growth but certainly a fantastic result uh, share price going very well um, and um, I think everyone was pretty happy with it. So a great uh, Australian success story. And then the other successful, the other great success story, Cockley, the, the shares fell a bit on their results. Well, they did, yes. Um, and they haven't really, um, yeah, they, they were a little bit disappointed. They have bounced back in the last few days. I think, again, it's another great uh, story. Um, it's one you can kind of feel pretty good about. Um, the company is talking about expansion into uh, the seniors market rather than just the, the, uh, the usual kind of uh, completely um, deaf uh, market. Um, and uh, they're looking at seniors that are, as they age, they're starting to lose their hearing. And, of course, they don't usually think of cochlear as, as the solution to that. They look at more of a hearing aids and, and cochlear 
seniors with their improved hearing. So, yes, um, good result, um, and um, it is starting to bounce a little bit. I think the brokers are relatively happy with it, but again, another great success story. It has been a brilliant performer this year, so a little bit of profit-taking on the results, but uh, generally looking pretty good. And Whitehaven Coles announced that it may pay additional dividends in the year? Um, yeah, Whitehaven record uh, record coal, special dividends, everything looks hunky-dory. Um, the problem, I guess, for Whitehaven and a lot of these resource companies at the moment is we are seeing some global um, headwinds, is probably not, not really a strong enough word, um, but some serious downturn in, uh, in potential for resource stocks, given that uh, trade wars and tariff wars and fights with Turkey, etc. So we are seeing some selling in Whitehaven, and since the results, it has come off. Um, of course, today we've had the, the big one, which I'm sure we, we should talk about at some stages, um, is Telstra, which has, um, has uh, I'm not sure, shot the lights out, but the share price is doing remarkably well today. Um, they're up 6.5%. Um, it's an awful long time since we can say that Telstra was up 6.5%. And, and one of the reasons, I guess, is that um, things weren't as bad as some analysts had forecast. And as a result, um, we've seen that the buyers returned. The, um, the company was, um, was pretty much uh, in line in terms of results from their, um, from their recent updates. There were no real surprises in it, but Andy Penn did a pretty good job in selling it. Uh, there have been a number of analysts that were sort of expecting far worse, and it sort of came in just around slightly above expectations. And that dividend uh, remains relatively strong, and um, the market has pushed it up 6.5%. Shares uh, of uh, NIB shareholders are doing all right. They've announced a profit upgrade. Yeah, they, uh, it seems that all is not dead in uh, private health insurance, and uh, they did announce a good profit upgrade, and the stock has been pushing higher on the back of it. It was $5.70, it's now $6.50, so going very well. They've diversified uh, a little bit away from just pure private health insurance, and that seems to be paying off for them. The other one, of course, in the sector is Medibank Private, which has also uh, been sort of catching uh, a lift on the back of their toner on their coattails. They've been in the doldrums for some time, but again, that's that's been rising from around sort of three bucks, uh, and now we're, here we are at nearly three dollars thirty. So they're doing pretty well as well. So clearly, despite all the, the doomsayers talking about the decline in private health insurance, um, they're not doing as badly as some would have us believe. And of course, these are also somewhat defensive assets. And when the world is going to hell in a handbasket in some areas, Asian markets uh, suffering, and uh, we're even seeing European markets suffering. Um, there's a lot to be said for defensively focused um, domestic stocks, uh, and these are obviously falling into that basket, as do our banks, which have held up uh, pretty well as well. They've had some relatively good results too. And you're, you're, you're going to be away for the next month, Henry? I am leaving next Thursday. I'm leaving on a big jet plane, so a yes. A big jet plane to escape <laughs> further, uh, further um, instalments of the Royal Commission. Well, I think we're on... Eight days, I think, of Royal Commission hearings, and I guess we've all got—I um, don't know—we've all got kind of a bit weary of the, the yep. gotcha moments, and uh, you know, we, we obviously saw the, the big reaction in the initial phases and how shocking everything was. Uh, the, the problem that we have with the Royal Commission is it tends to focus on all the bad stuff. 
and clearly there's a lot of good stuff that goes on as well um, that we don't hear about. That's not what the Royal Commission is about. It is focusing on all the bad practices of the banks, and they have had some bad practices, oh. and they've and they've all been wearing hair shirts. And we've had Andrew Thorburn committing, you know, on a regular basis to to being better. And uh, um, you know, it seems to be the standard line is, you know, we know we've done wrong, we'll do better in the future. Um, we've been bad boys, but we're, we're fixing it. Don't worry. Um, I guess that what the, the the big fallout will be when the results from the Royal Commission actually come down in terms of the recommendations, which I think uh, September we're getting some sort of interim ones, and then the big uh, final wash-up will be next year, early next year, if it doesn't get extended. So uh, still a lot to play for in, in this space, but um, certainly I think the market itself has just got weary of these uh, sort of issues, and they haven't really landed a significant gotcha moment. Maybe the bank executives that have been up on on trial, not that that's the right word, but up there in front of the Royal Commission, have been far um, better briefed in how to counter the attacks of uh, of the, uh, the of the Royal Commission lawyers, which does seem to be the case. They seem to be able, or more more um, more well, better at um, at deflecting some of that criticism and. and making things a little bit muddier and not quite so clear-cut as those AMP gotcha moments we saw earlier. It would be interesting to know how much the Royal Commission lawyers are getting paid. Um, yeah, it would. I'd imagine they're, um, they're getting a reasonable amount. They have done, they have done a pretty good job yeah. considering um, you know, that they've been absolutely thorough, to say the least, in, in the detail and the, the, the practices they have uncovered. And this comes from a You know, we're really happy that we'll get a Royal Commission. Uh, the government didn't want the Royal Commission either. Um, you know, they said, you know, we're, we're fixing it. Well, clearly, um, they weren't fixing it. They've seen ASIC now um, have their budgets increased, which was weird, seeing as they had their budget decreased back in May. So, um, yeah, it's, it's been an interesting exercise. But, you know, as with all things, the market ultimately gets, gets weary of um, these kind of yeah. stories. Um, it, it's a cynical way of looking at things, but it's, it's the, the truth. We, we, you know, we, we're short-term focused to some extent, and we, we get weary of these things. And the results themselves um, were not bad. I mean, Commonwealth Bank showed the, uh, the, the, the power of the machine in terms of how much money they make, and ANZ and NABs also reported um, pretty good, um, although they're putting away money for, uh, for compliance costs and also for, for paying back people that have been wronged, which is a good thing. But, um, you know, I guess it's just the market is the market, Stephen. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, we're, we're a cynical bunch. We're, we're, not, we're not known for our, for, for our philanthropy or, or that sort of thing. We are a cynical bunch. And we look at the numbers, and the numbers weren't too bad. Mm. Thank you, Henry Jennings. Enjoy the holiday. <coughs> I will. See you in about a month, Henry. Stephen, you want to turn our attention to credit cards. At some stage in our life, our adult life, most of us have the fantastic plastic. However, many of us do get into trouble with them, don't we? We just seem to ignore the signs. How can we start managing our credit cards a bit better? Well, one of the first things is that people seem to lose track of how much they're actually spending on their credit card. It doesn't seem the same as spending money as to when you actually got to take some notes and coins out of your pocket. So I think the first thing you need to do is keep track of what's actually um, what what you're actually spending on your on your on your credit card there. And then one of the other things you need to look at is um, the repayments on the card. Because every single card is uh, is different in how it's going to be tracking some of those things. Yes. Now, generally, the interest the, the interest rates on credit cards range from you know probably ten up to the low twenty percent. 
So, it, it, you know, it doesn't take that long, you know, for 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 um, the debt to, to ratchet up. Mm. If you're paying 20% interest, um, the, 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 the amount that you owe is going to double in about three and a half years. Wow, it's quite easy, isn't it, to add up? Now, one thing that used to always... I used to find that people struggle with when I was working in banking, that people would always get confused on the up to 55-day interest-free period. People would think that every purchase attracted its own uh, uh, from the day you bought the item. That's when the 55-day started, and they would lose track of, no, it's in the period. So you could buy one buy something on day one of the cycle. That gets you the almost 55 days. But if you bought something, you know, 40... 40 days later, you've only got 10 days to pay it back. Yeah, I mean, that's right. And so, so, so a lot of those 55 days have, have been wound back too, mm. so they're only available on some credit cards. Yeah. And as we mentioned earlier, different credit cards have got different terms and some even, some of the no-fee cards actually start charging interest from the first day. So they're giving you a, a lower rate of interest and they're not charging a fee, but they're... But they will get some interest from oh, you. Yeah. Well, the interest rate's <laughs> still 15%, I say, when I say lower. So, so I mean, and then um, one of the introductions, most credit cards that you need to have a look at, and you can be quite shocked by this, is most credit cards now have a calculation on them that, that if you only pay the minimum payment, it tells you how long to... Um, to pay, it's going to take you to pay off, and, and and it's not unusual to see numbers like twenty years and wow. and thirty years. And by the time you get that far in, you wouldn't even remember any oh, of the things you that, bought. That's right. That's right. So the first thing you need to do is to look at um, um, controlling what you're spending on the credit card. Second thing is is to make sure you make the um, maximum amount of payments you can. And and if you're like me, and I know a number of other people. Um, you can actually these days set up a direct debit. So, so what happens is I, I um, pay my credit card off each each month. So, you know, if I use that, it just comes straight out of the bank. And because um, a lot of them now, even if you're a day late, slug you with a, a thirty or forty dollars late payment fee on top of the interest. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So if you if you sign the direct debit form, even if it's for just the minimum payment and it's paid late, that's the bank's problem, and they they. They can't then charge you the fee. Uh, at least you've set up the situation yeah. where, well, look, I'm happy for it to go. I think where a lot of people too can get caught in that situation, Stephen, is or someone like they they don't want to or set up the direct debit or it fails is because they haven't got any money to start with. That's right. And they're spending money on the credit card that they didn't have that they're not going to have next month to pay back. Yeah, and one of the other things that I think is becoming even worse is these um, these. Um, buy now pay later things mm. where you can pay your, these these things off over four months well they they take your credit card number so you you get buying the goods you're going to pay it off over four months then the payment goes on your credit card so you're just compounding stuff and buying more stuff that a as you said in six months you probably know know what you bought exactly and, and you'll be paying for it for years so so it's it's all about getting people to buy stuff that in a lot of cases they don't want and they definitely don't need. It's all it's all impulse buying. I think what happens is, and, and I'm going to speak from experience, you get 18 or 20 years old and, mm. oh, I, I'm now able to get a credit card and you go to the shops and it's really cool. You're buying a new pair of shoes with, with Henry from earlier and you're buying, yeah. you go out to dinner and you're putting on credit cards. I think that people can so often put 
purchases on the plastic that they they shouldn't be because they're just those day to day purchases. Just use your own money for it. That's right. I mean, that's one of the things we want. Yeah, you should you shouldn't be using your credit card to fund your day to day living expenses because you know you, you might fund this month's expenses, but what are you going to do next month? You got to pay off this <laughs> month's, and the, and the, the debt just kind of compounds out of control. So. Um, one of the other things is you need to do is to um, check your credit card statements. Um, I, I mean, I kind of check mine most of the time, but you'd be surprised how often there's mistakes on those statements. And and you know. So when you're saying mistakes, are we talking purchases or just with the actual calculations oh, from the banks? Well, I, I actually have never checked the calculations, but you'll find purchases are run uh, billed twice for whatever reason. Mm. Um, that's not that uncommon. Um, um, someone's got a hold of your credit card and there's purchases there that, that you don't even know about. Um, so you need to you need to keep an eye on your, your credit card statements and, and be aware of what you're actually putting on them. And I, I always get a copy of the receipt and just stick it in my wallet and just check it off at the end of the month. Well, it can't hurt. I mean, if, yeah. because, again, by the time a month's gone by, you're not going to remember the five shops that you may have ah, that's been right. at. And, and some of the times they've got different names on the credit card statements to the to the to the uh, yeah and there's a lot of fraud on, there's a lot mm. of fraud on credit cards. There's still a lot of fraud on credit cards. Mm. And particularly with um, not requiring a signature or a pin number up to hundred dollars, you've only got to lose your credit card somewhere and and, and someone's run up four hundred dollars before you know and if you don't check your statements well you've got a problem i think as well you mentioned that because a lot of places don't put the actual name of the of the shop fund they put their trading name on on there as well and and um you can quite easily get caught but you know the banks can always tell you uh, um, oh yeah i'll tell you who it was if you ask yeah, yeah. Where, where it was and where it was. yeah okay and then of course the limit one of the things is there's these ever increasing limits <laughs> At one stage, they just used to write and say they've automatically increased your limits. Well, that's, they, thankfully, for the most part, that's all gone now. Well, you can opt into that, though. You, you've got to, you can opt in. Wow. Yeah, so it's an opt-in process. Yeah. So if you want your limits increased, um, you can opt in, and the bank will then write you and ask, do you want your limit increased? Whereas if you don't do that, they're not allowed to write and ask mm. that anymore. It's one of those things. So, so you won't be getting automatic increased limits, but you can opt in to get them. And the other thing that's driving increased limits is, uh, is that there's these promotions about transferring your balance from one account to another, one credit provider to another, and they'll give you, you know, 1.5% interest rate or at some stages zero interest rate. But the mistake people make is they transfer the balance across, but they don't cancel the outcome. No, you've still got to do that. (laughs) And and they end up with two credit cards with twice as much to spend and a year later they're in a worse position. And and sometimes as well, when you transfer the balance, the... um, we, at the lower rate to the new card, sometimes that's the part that gets paid off last. So yeah, uh, you've got to, you've got to first, look at yeah. So yeah, you, you got to look at stuff, you yeah. got to look at the terms and conditions. And obviously, um, sometimes if you miss the payment, um, the whole balance then becomes payable at the normal rate. So you you need to watch the terms and conditions and, and make sure you the key to all this is make sure you make the payments and make sure as make as big a payments as you can to keep the debt down at the end of the day they are a, a tool a money tool like anything else but you most folks don't understand them and i think that if you're going to use them particularly if you're going to put a lot of gear on there month to month you need to have that understanding of what the product looks like i guess yeah that's right and you know there's more and more transactions um um you know, we've got some retail stores as clients, and I was talking to one the other day, and 70% of the, the turnover is now coming via um, um, 
electronic combination of credit card and FPOS turnover. So mm. the, the cash transactions are slowly disappearing. Oh, there's less and less of it out there, which, again, brings us back to where we started, that people can't keep track of it because it's not physical cash, and that's, that's, right. and, uh, that's, uh, that's what right. happens. That's right. All right, Stephen, a great way to finish on Thursday Finance. Uh, you'll be back next week. I'll Thank be back you. next week. Thank you for your time.